Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast in which we profile some of our favorite B-movie and genre film stars. That's right. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Tori Potenza. And if you're hearing this, it's because our first few episodes were recorded before we knew what our podcast was called. Yep. Or before we had any social media. So you'll hear us say a lot of stuff that either isn't true or... Not real yet. <laughs> so. Yes, uh, but now it's real. If you're but now this, it's real. real. Yeah. Uh, you can find our podcast everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Um, Instagram, Twitter, we're all over the internet. And um, we're now part of the Movie John Network. Yes. So uh, definitely follow Movie John on social medias as well as uh, the Movie John Podcast Network. Yep. You can go to moviejohn.com for this podcast mm-hmm. and a bunch of others. Yeah. And uh, we also just want to quickly give a shout out to uh, the folks that helped us with some of our music, uh, which uh, I'm lucky enough to have friends, uh, Christine and her partner, Pat, uh, who did the intro music for the podcast, as well as Alex, uh, who is the co-owner of A Novel Idea on Passiunk uh, in Philadelphia. Does Alex have a last name so people can look him up? Alex Snyder. Uh, so he is a really great graphic designer. Uh, he does all the graphic design for the bookshop uh, that he co-owns and has done uh, tons of other work for other folks. So we're very lucky to have these talented people who uh, did the music and art for us because those are things we can't do. Yeah, so (laughs) thank you to them and uh, enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome to Killer Bees. This is a much better intro. I love this already. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah, so this is our second attempt at this because we just adopted a lovely, lovely puppy. He's the best. He's the best. We love him. But he did uh, kind of destroy everything when we started recording uh, this episode. Yep, already lost an episode thanks to the brand new puppy. Yeah, so... By lost an episode, I mean like 10 (laughs) seconds. Yeah, so you missed the uh, worst intro, uh, according to Garrett. So Yeah, and now I'm uh, eating chips on mic because we now have the rare opportunity where we are not in the same room as the puppy. Yeah. And so we can eat snacks yeah. as we please. Is this what having kids is like? Like the moment you have like a room to yourself, you're like, oh, thank God, this I, is the best. I dare not compare having a dog to having children for fear of what parents might do to me. Yeah. But yes, I do feel like we have a newborn child in the house. Uh, we've, got like a, <laughs> we've got a dumb toddler that lives in our house. <laughs> And he's the best. (laughs) Again, we cannot stress how much we love our new dog, Mr. Spock, but (laughs) he did destroy this for us. He rules. He's the best. He's the best. And I hate him right now. (laughs) Yeah, in this exact moment, Mm -hmm. we all really hate him. Uh, But now we get to drink and eat and do all of our vices freely in this teeny space together. So that's really what this is all about. That's right. Um, So yeah, welcome to Killer Bees. My name is Tori Potenza. My name is Garrett Smith. (laughs) And uh, this is our podcast where we talk about some of our favorite uh, B-movie and genre movie stars. Um, So we've done a couple of these profiles already, and uh, this next one... Uh, we're really excited to do. Um, we are going to be talking about Mr. Ken Forey. Yes. Um, who 
there's a lot of I I not really a lot, but there's a big like uh you know horror like shame for me in one of the films that I finally watched for the first time. Yeah, I mean I I so. I only know Ken from the big Ken Forey movie, yeah. and then this was like a ton of fun to sort of like discover him in a lot of other really cool movies and very interesting comparatively to yeah. both for like good reasons and I think also like some maybe like not so yeah, great reasons. There's a lot of interesting things um, to talk about. I think. Now that you and because we yeah. wa- what did we watch we've probably watched like five Ken Forey movies yeah. in the past week right and you know we tried to pick and choose the ones we thought were really fun and as we're gonna talk about he's done so much but when yeah. we're he's also done like a lot of stuff in the two thousands but like I think for us we just gravitate towards that like seventies eighties area and totally. so it's really hard for us to like be like oh we'll make time for some of these others and we will and some of them are probably really good B movies but there's oh, something yeah. about well, I'm, I'm the eighties ones that I'm not is gonna just... avoid uh, a bunch of Ken yeah. Forey movies going forward mm-hmm. but for the purposes of you and I would like to beef up on a, on our subject a little yeah. bit before recording an episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going straight for the weird ones yeah. that came out of the 70s and 80s. Yeah, That's exactly. like immediately what I'm running And one to. from the 90s, which yeah. we both really enjoyed and I yeah. can't wait to talk about. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess just uh, we were we had decided to talk a little bit about just some of the uh, B-movies we've watched recently. Yeah, um, which uh, you brought up last time, and I didn't even remember. By last time, I mean when we recorded this four minutes ago. Ten minutes ago before uh, our dog destroyed everything. Yeah, uh, Black yeah. Christmas we watched for Christmas, yes. which we do every year. That's been mm-hmm. a tradition for uh, the time that we've been together. We watch it. I think we have watched that every Christmas, haven't we? I think we have. We did force my mom to put it on once, mm-hmm. and she was like, why aren't we watching this on Christmas? And we were like, because this is our our Christmas movie. You can watch It's It's a Wonderful Life and I can watch Black it's a Christmas. Female empowerment Christmas movie. Alice, get on board. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, come on. Yeah. Um so yeah, we watched that and you know, of course we did our John Saxon episode, so always fun to revisit him in some of our favorite roles and, that, and we both love him in that, that movie. That probably is like my personal favorite John Saxon yeah. role. I I really like him in that movie. Yeah, he's kind of what we I guess would like cops and detectives yeah, right. to be like in like an ideal world yeah. in this movie he's like a platonic ideal of yeah. like a cop he takes all of these like women and their concerns really seriously mm-hmm. when that is not something even today that happens right. all the time yeah. so yeah he's definitely like a just kind of dreamboat yeah yeah great in that movie and that movie just fucking watches i yeah. love watching that movie mm-hmm. i i don't know i've seen it maybe 10 times now and yeah. i feel like it gets better every time i watch it i i love that movie um and then another one i wanted to mention because it's like i guess a newer b movie that we watched um so for our um new outlet movie john that we're writing for uh i reviewed a movie called shadow in the cloud mm. um starring chloe grace moretz mm-hmm. did i say that right moretz moretz i, f- yeah. I feel like I always mess that name up with like one of the names. Um, but yeah, what a fun. It's like takes place in the 1940s. It's during World War II. It kind of centers around like the uh, like folklore of gremlins that a yeah. lot of like people who were um, flying around that time like came up with this to like talk as an excuse for all of like the engine failures yeah, and things that were happening. I, th- I think the general idea is that like. You know, we were throwing this machinery together and putting it in the sky, and it probably wasn't the best it could have been or safe all of the time. And rather than blame the military itself for not being able to provide 
safety to mm-hmm. its uh, uh, people. You blame the gremlins. It's gremlins in the yeah. plane. That's that's how the engine got a little wonky. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, such a fun movie. It's like takes place in the 1940s, but has this total 80s feel to it. Yep. Has this like. Adam Wingard, synthy mm-hmm. kind of score. The score is fantastic. Yeah, it's all really fun. Um, also very like kind of female empowerment, especially like at, for that time period. So um, yeah, super the, enjoyable. I, and uh, I'm not familiar with the woman that directed it, but I thought she did like a really killer job because mm-hmm. this to me is like a great example of like, this did not look like it cost a lot of money to me mm-hmm. in good and bad ways. Yeah. But the ways in which... <laughs> I don't know how to describe it other than they stretch whatever budget they had mm-hmm. more than I've ever seen someone stretch a budget. They yeah. really fucking go for it. And it means that like things don't always look great, but I was always so like pl- so surprised and happy that mm-hmm. they were going as far as they were going because I could tell how limited they probably were, yeah. you know? I mean, so much of the movie is just her in this tiny confined space yeah, communicating a, via, like, radio with yeah, the other like people on the plane. It's a chamber piece, they call it. Yeah. Um, and they make it super engaging just by having totally. her in that tiny space. She's great in She's this really movie. great, yeah. She, I mean, it, it's very much like a Ripley and Aliens kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's this, uh, you know, woman among men who's, like, really needs people to just fucking listen to her while she like takes charge but it it, i really liked it like i think this is like just fun b-movie cheese big ideas on a small budget like yeah really it's what i it's what i want out of like modern jb movies uh so i was very pleased and like a lot of uh uh, different kinds of horror tropes in a blender but that like done right i think like that done pretty well yeah all Uh, works like really well yeah. Um, any any other ones that you thought of? Or want- oh, you're ta- you're chewing. Oh, we did watch that Bruce Lee movie the other day that was really wild and crazy. What movie? Uh, big the Big Boss. Oh, Bruce Lee, Big Boss. The Big Boss. The Big Boss. Oh man, that was a wild movie. Loved the Big Boss. And I know we talked about this in our also in our um episode Saxon about John episode, Saxon right? yeah. because uh they were in. Um, Enter, Enter the, the Dragon, Dragon together. Um, so we've also started watching more Bruce Lee movies, mm-hmm. and man, what a magnetic character Movie actor! Star. He's so good. Movie star. Like even just like there's moments where he's not really talking, and he's kind of in the background at like a lot of the beginning of this movie, but he just has these like moments or facial expressions that are really cute and he's funny. He's really funny. He's really good. Like mm-hmm. he he's good at all of it. Yeah, it's you, amazing. It was really fun watching it with you because you kept like every five minutes you'd turn and just be like, man, he's so funny. Like you just like he's so funny. You were really impressed with like how charming he was. And I mean because like it it is interesting when I like finally see movies with someone that I like I know of this person right. but I've never seen any other stuff. So you know, I just know is Bruce Lee yep. is an amazing martial artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, watching him and also finding out that, like, he's hilarious. He's, like, very charismatic. He's sexy. It's, like, all of this stuff like, where you're, like, damn, he, like, is a movie star. And he is a good martial artist. Yeah. And I love, you know, I mean, uh, when we met, I was, like, really heavy into Jackie Chan. Still mm-hmm. am, of course. But, I know. Uh, you know, yeah. I love martial arts movies. Mm-hmm. And he is very good at martial mm-hmm. arts, but that's not even, now that I've seen a couple of his movies, not even the first thing I think about when I think about him. I know. Charming, so charming. funny, like yeah. big movie star energy. Like mm-hmm. he is just like, 
yeah, he pops up. And Big Boss was fun. Yeah, it's I really fun. liked that movie. It, mm-hmm. it, a, it's like really heavy, like exploitation style. Yeah. It was like more violent than I expected it to mm-hmm. be. It's got a lot more just like kind of like softcore porn vibes to it than I expected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but like, uh, then the whole movie, like the plot basically is just like withholding the release for you yeah. basically but it's, you already know he's you an know amazing it's a fighter Bruce Lee movie you yeah. know he's going to tear the shit out of some dude but he took this oath that he can't right. fight so for a lot of the movie you're just like oh my god there's the, all this fighting going on and he isn't jumping the whole in movie is him standing yeah. by while other people get in fights yeah. until the end when he finally lets loose and it is Mwah. Oh, yeah, love it. Yeah, it's, really, really fun. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I'm excited that we uh, have discovered our love of Bruce Lee. Me too. Lee. I, I bought that uh, um, Criterion collection that they just did of like five or six of yeah. his movies. Um, and uh, we're going to make our way through those. We are. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about Ken Forey? Let's get into Ken Forey, let's who, oh man, what a delight. Love this man. Presence in yeah. everything we've seen. Um, so, yeah, Ken Forey, born February t- 29th, 1948, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, his given name is Ken. Kentotis Alvin Forey. Kentotis. Uh, Kentotis, yes. Uh, and he's a very tall man. I just wrote this down. He is 6'5", which is insane to me. I mean, I'm a very small woman, <laughs> but like he is well over a foot taller than me, yeah, which he's is insane. real tall, and as we came to find out, directors love to take this man's mm-hmm. shirt off and show you how big he is compared to everybody around I know. him. It's always so impressive. Yeah. Um, so he went to Loyola College in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, eventually studied acting at the Michael Shulman's Performing Gallery in New York City. Um, while he was in New York City, he was involved in the civil rights movement there, um, um, before acting, um, he performed as um, an off-Broadway actor and did um, some pro- theater productions that way, um, and also worked as an assistant manager at a Greenwich Village restaurant to stay afloat Like while he was just trying to get his acting career going. Love it. I love the classic acting story of, mm-hmm. like, I worked in a restaurant, I paid my dues. Yep. Like, yeah, great. Um, he has 111 acting credits, um, according to IMDb, and... Big a lot, of, big career. A lot of it is TV, mm-hmm. um, which we'll kind of like run through some of that stuff. But still, like, so impressive how much work this guy does, even now. Like, he he's, is still doing so much. He's one of those guys. We've talked about this a lot, and I think these guys probably will come up for us a lot on this mm-hmm. show. Um, a lot of these like B movie stars end up being a big deal to like later generations yeah. of filmmakers, and so like. Kem Forey's career for the last like 20 years probably has mm-hmm. just been doing like bit roles in horror movies by young directors who yep. are like, oh, he's like affordable. Like I could get him to be in my movie. Like I loved him in Dawn of the Dead. Like, you know, yeah. um, and which is great. I mean, it, it lets these people have these like long, interesting careers yeah. and it's fun to watch them pop up in this stuff. Yeah. And one thing like I watched a couple interviews with him and read some stuff. And one thing that I constantly hear from him is he just likes being like working mm-hmm. like he just wants to be working and doing stuff so it like he'll he'll just kind of take whatever which I think is something that I really appreciate he just wants to be out there um 
So uh, you know me, I'm a big Nick Cage fan. I will never hate on a man that is trying to get a paycheck. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, and you know, kind of comparatively, like you know, it seems like some of the other people we've profiled so far kind of fell into loving, like specifically horror movies. Um, but I did find a quote from Ken Forey um, saying that he's always been a fan. Um, he grew up with the scare me to death kind of chills every night, every Friday night on Chiller Theater or whatever the Friday night scary movie series was in my hometown. I grew up with it, wanting to be afraid and terrorizing my brothers so already like very much into this genre when he comes and some of his first roles are like awesome genre films which is cool you and i have talked about this how much we really missed out on that like generation of horror hosts like people that grew up with the like you know movie marathon saturdays with the horror hosts yeah i if if that existed when i was a kid and i know that it did but Mm -hmm. i don't think we as far as I know, we never got that mm-hmm. in my house. You know what I mean? Yeah, there. I forget what it was called, but there was a documentary I watched about horror movie hosts, mm-hmm. and there was one in PA, um, in in Philly area called. Uh, oh man, I forget what her name was, but she was known as the Man Eater of Maniunk, which Hell I yeah. think is the dopest name. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I find horror hosts amazing, and I would love if that there was a resurgence in that. Like I know we have like, um, you know. What's his face? Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, um, he's who, back. Back on the scene. Who I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. And I haven't seen a ton of his stuff, but don't really like his persona. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's something like I'm just waiting for it. I know. We uh, One time early when we were dating, we were in my hometown and we went out for pizza with uh, oh, my yeah. sister. And uh, we ended up at this like... You know, this like mom and pop pizza place that was like literally like under their house, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was like a little bar. And they had, I don't know, some channel on that had Sven Gulli. Yeah, yeah, who's, yeah. I think out of Chicago. And he was like showing, I think, a uh, an Abbott and Costello uh, movie. Yeah, I forget which one it was. It was but like it was... Go to Mars or something. Yeah, right? yeah. That, um, yeah. And uh, we ended up talking to the guy that o- owned the place or was just bartending that night, whatever. He was like a couple years older and than us. And he was us. so stoked that we just like knew about these movies <laughs> and about the, horror hosts. We at the time were going through the Universal Monster movies because uh, I had gotten that Blu-ray set. And, and he you was, had never seen a lot of them. I know. And he was just so excited that uh, people younger than him were talking about these movies and were familiar with horror. I just remember thinking like, I was like, man, one, I didn't know who Swinguli was at that time. That yeah. was like my introduction to him. And then I realized like, oh, okay, so he's actually one of these guys that is trying to keep this thing. Like Mr. Lobo is a local guy. Yeah, he's local. That's kind of trying mm-hmm. to keep that thing alive. Love that stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, getting into Ken Forey's career. So his first appearance was uh, a TV appearance on General Hospital in 1963. Um, there's a huge gap between that and then his first film appearance, which is called The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings in 1976. And this was a film that starred Billy Dee Williams, Richard Pryor, and James Earl Jones. So, Sold on the cast. Yeah, like, like would watch it his on that first cast. big film, he gets to work with like all of these like heavy hitters like stars at the time which is really amazing and i'm assuming is this like a uh uh like a car movie yeah uh um oh it's about yeah it's about the negro league uh which is interesting whoa road with his band of sp- okay interesting yeah it's like a road trip movie kind of okay mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Cool, yeah, and so cool. he just has like kind of a bit role in it, but he does get to work with all of these like yeah, amazing Billy actors. Yeah, Billy D, Richard Pryor, that's awesome. Yeah, um, so very cool early on. And then um, two years later, he makes his 
big debut in 1978 with uh, Dawn of the Dead, um, which I can't wait to talk about. But one thing I want to mention quickly is that um, he mentions he was a fan of Night of the Living Dead, and he actually knew Dwayne Jones, who starred in that movie from the Civil Rights Movement in That's New York. That's really cool. Which I think is so cool that yeah. those two met through that. They were like connected through mm-hmm. the Civil Rights Movement. And then, you know, Night of the Living Dead has kind of long been heralded as a a civil rights Mm -hmm. movie to some extent yeah Um, that's really cool and you know it seems like george romero like kind of was good at just finding these people to be in his movies that sometimes like didn't have a lot of experience or like weren't very well known and just like casting them and so this was my shame movie i had never seen the original dawn of the dead and i think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that it's not really easily available like night of the living dead is public domain day of the dead is always on some streaming service, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I've seen those, yeah. but never saw Dawn because it's like never available anywhere. Yeah, there, there, and it's not like it wasn't recently available, mm-hmm. right? Like there was definitely some DVD releases of this movie. Yeah. There probably was a Blu-ray at some point that I'm just not yeah. familiar with, but like I don't see it floating around on streaming services, and mm-hmm. I do wonder if there's like some sort because I know there are like multiple cuts of this movie. Yeah, so I wonder if there's like some kind of rights issue. I'm not really sure, but um, yeah. I, I, I do have this movie, and so, like, you know, I've seen it a, a few times, not many, mm-hmm. um, and so we were able to watch it, and I, I think the cut I have is, or I have access to, like, one of the longer ones. Yeah. Um, I really like this movie, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's actually gotten, like, better each time I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, I was so excited to watch this, and especially since, like, out of the movies we've seen with Ken Forey, yeah. this is, like his starring role. Oh my God, yeah, I mean... He's fantastic, and he is, like, one of the main characters in this movie. As we, as we dig into the other stuff we chose to watch, we watched these movies because they were Ken Forey movies, yeah. and in none of them does he have more than, like, ten lines of dialogue. And it's unfortunate because, like, knowing, especially seeing this and knowing that it's so early in his career, yeah. and he's amazing mm-hmm. in it, it's crazy that people were not like, yes, give this guy as yeah. much fucking screen time as mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, there's, like, I'm sure racial issues and stuff with that, too. Just not a lot of, uh, you know, movie starring black yeah, men. Yeah, because then after this, like, we'll talk about, he still is just getting kind of bit roles mm-hmm. or uncredited roles mm-hmm. or, like, doesn't even have an actual name and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like a fucking star. Like he is so totally agree. He's every scene he is in, in this movie is so entertaining. He's really funny. He's really earnest. He's really fucking tough. I, you know, and this is not to throw shade at any of the other actors in this movie. Cause I really like her doing great. Yeah. All of I them like together. The four leads. Yeah. I think they're great. I think that he is to me, like he's the lead of this movie. Yeah. He is like, He's kind of the rock that, like, if I, I don't know, I feel like if this movie lacked his presence, it it, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't be as good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think these other three leads are as compelling. No. With him not among them, with him not around, like he's kind of the anchor point. Yeah. For kind of everything that's going on in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what works is how he kind of t- attaches to these characters mm-hmm. in different ways, and how he kind of like takes them like under his wing mm, in certain mm-hmm, ways like mm-hmm. you know the the movie Flyboy. yeah yeah the movie starts with this um you, I mean, everything is falling apart. You know that there are zombies around. It's a but TV at the station, same time, right? yeah. But at the same time, there's also still police like raiding, yeah. like apartment buildings that have like 
black people and immigrants. Boy, and- did that not hit different in the middle of like a pandemic and an insurrection and like I know. where it's like, oh yeah, like even at the end of the world, yeah. we will still have like a military industrial complex yeah. that doesn't stop moving. Yeah, and you have this like racist cop who is like talking about how much he wants to like go in there and start shooting like yeah. the black people and the Latino people that are in there. And so the the other main character who hold on one second. I feel really bad that I don't remember his name off I'm, the top of I'm my head. I'm bad at this. Oh uh oh, no, I know I'm bad with all of these uh these other actors' names. Um his name is oh man, I do this all the time on IMDB. I always click the two thousands one and I don't mean to. Um Scott H. Uh, oh, Reiniger. Rain- Reiniger, yeah. Who, like, also wasn't in a lot of movies. But Scott H. Reiniger, like, has an issue with this cop, notices he's doing fucked up stuff and just shooting at people, mm-hmm. pounces on him, and then ultimately Ken Forey comes and shoots that cop. Yeah. And they, it's, like, a really traumatic moment. Yes. But then Forey and um, the character that we kind of just know as Soldier through yeah, a lot yeah. of the mo- movie bond over this like shared trauma yes and then immediately have amazing chemistry with each other throughout it like they are so good together to to uh you know great effect too i mean ultimately there's like some tragic fate that some of these characters meet and like it yeah it's um I love this movie. Like, I, I really like the way this movie kind of luxuriates in its own pace. And we think we've seen, like, the longer cut of it. it um, maybe the can cut. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but I think maybe. Um, uh, yeah, it, it has a long... It, it, the cut we watched is almost two and a half hours long. It, it, it's got this luxurious pace mm-hmm. that I really like in this movie. I like spending time with these characters. I like watching them bond together in mm-hmm. the mall. I, you know, the whole premise is just, like, great a great simple premise for a movie yeah. um but i as romero is wont to do he's got all of these kind of like social commentary ideas on his mind and so the whole movie ends up kind of being about how like even at the end of the world we will cling to like our american comforts yeah um and i there's something like sad and tragic about that there's something comedic about that mm-hmm. which he doesn't let go of either there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie yeah the, um, just like shopping mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. Um, I just, this movie is doing something that like, I don't know how else to describe. It's not quite a horror comedy, um, uh, but it does kind of live in both of those spaces. Yeah. Um, there's not any other movie I can think of that quite has this tone. And I know. It, it really works. It works so well. And yeah, I mean, it's a very lot somber, of- somber, I would say. It is. Yeah. Um, and then comparatively to Night of the Living Dead, like our lead character kind of gets this like, um this like good moment of like fighting for his life mm-hmm. and wanting to survive mm-hmm. and not necessarily the tragic ending of right, night of the living right. dead, which although very poignant, especially for its social commentary, it makes it really hard for me to watch. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, sure, yeah. fuck. Yeah. It is um, heavy. And ultimately it's great just because like you love Ken Forey's character so much in yeah. this movie that you want to watch him mm-hmm. survive this. Mm-hmm. And, Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, I love him in this movie. And it really, the great disappointment is that, as you said, as far as I know, we never really see him have another role like this, you know? Yeah, I know. So I, I am interested to watch more of his movies mm-hmm. and roles just to see 
what stuff he does get yeah. to do more in. Yes, yeah. Um, because everything I've seen him in, he's been amazing. No matter what, he's very magnetic. He's so magnetic, yeah. and whatever the fucking like low budget like schlock he's doing, he's giving like a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, he's got like a you know the thing everybody always talks about with like Christopher Lee, right? Like yeah. he is just oh, good so at like delivering the kind of B movie cheese and schmaltz. You know, he's yep. like good at it. Yep. And when it comes out of his mouth, you like believe it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it, uh, that's like a rare quality. That's it is. you know, yeah. Um, and given how much you and I like these kind of movies to begin with, um, you know, yeah, he, I really like him. I'm so glad he is who we decided on for this episode. Me too. Um, so yeah, I also just he had done an interview that I found uh, on a website called Cryptic Rock Uh um, and talks a lot about this role and just how he got like really lucky with it. Um, He didn't think anyone could predict what was going to happen with the film. Um, He's like, it just hit the silver screen at the right moment for everyone, writer, director, producers, actors, and genre audiences. I don't think we could have topped it. You never can when it all comes together. That's exactly what happened with Dawn of the Dead. Um, Yes, it was the 70s and racism was as prevalent as it is today. Peter was isolated in a state of anarchy. I had a few references for the character that helped. (laughs) He says, I'm not telling. Um, But then, yeah, like much, much later discovers like just how impactful this was for other people seeing him in this role um and also just for like the fan base that comes from this movie as yeah, well yeah he specifically says in this quote that you pulled uh that he later discovered how important it was not just to horror genre fans but crossover fans he yeah. called them mm-hmm. and i really like that note that like because i think that is important with this movie like i bet there are a lot of people in the world that would tell you they are not horror movie fans yeah that I've seen Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, my parents are people who I don't necessarily consider horror fans, but then I tell them a lot about these movies that I watch, and they're like, oh, yeah, I saw that. Like, yeah. I went to the theaters and saw that, and I'm like, oh, what? Like, I, I think this I think this one was, like, a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. I think. It makes sense. Um, so, yeah, he, he does this, like, amazing, like, once-of-a-lifetime role, and then uh, closing out the 70s does more, like, TV roles, um, and he appeared in things like Kojak. Kojak! Um, and then we, we move to the 80s. Um, so, in the 80s, he does a miniseries called A Rumor of War with Jeff Daniels and Lawrence Fishburne. Hell yeah. Wait, this makes a lot of sense to me. We're going to talk more about Larry yeah, Fish later, because... Okay, all right. So he did work with with the Fishburn. Yeah, and then a lot of the other uh, pieces he worked on were either small or uncredited. Like, a lot of the roles I was seeing, he was, like, you know, black athlete or, like, not warden, but, like, orderly, like, stuff like that, where it's like, oh, man, he's just, yeah. He's a good black actor. Like, you could see in this era people being like, oh, we need, like, a big threatening black man. Like, you know. Um, he did movies like uh, The Terror Among Us and The Golden Moment, an Olympic love story, uh, <laughs> which is just such a funny name for me. That is funny. Um, and then he works with Romero again doing, uh, in 1981, Night Riders, which we just finished Hell last yeah, night. Hell yeah, Night Riders. Which was fantastic. And unfortunately, like even though like Romero has worked with him before, like he doesn't have the biggest role in this. He definitely gets Pretty more small. to do than some of the other things yeah. you've seen um and is still amazing with mm-hmm. whatever moments he is given in this movie this whole movie feels like i mean it so uh, the premise of night riders is that 
a biker gang kind of moonlights as a Ren Fair uh, cosplay. Well, they've like taken on that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so they do like jousting. You know, they do like Knights of the Round Table jousting for audiences, but on, on motorcycles. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. Uh, we loved this movie. But uh, the thing that I wanted to say is that like they. Uh, you know, Ed Harris is the main in this movie, but because it's this troop, you know, it's a, they're, they're meant to be like yeah. a troop. It really does feel like the George Romero troop made this movie. Yeah. It's actors from The Crazies, actors from Dawn of the Dead. Yep. Actor, it's like we've watched a bunch of Romero movies in the last like mm-hmm. year or two, and it's kind of like everybody from those movies yeah. came together to make this one. Mm-hmm. Even though they're all kind of bit players in it, yeah, like, and and Savini is who ends up kind of stepping up out of the bit player role into like a main character. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to not talk about how sexually appealing Tom Savini was. You don't in need this to movie. not talk about it because I also was hugely sexually attracted oh, to Tom Savini my in this God. movie. Like, love Tom Savini. Yes, like have always loved Tom Savini, but like never understood the sex appeal of Tom I, Savini long, until last night. I've long heard tale of the sex appeal of. Tom Savini and never understood it until watching never. Knight Riders. Yeah. He Whew. is so fucking charming. He's Damn. like a real sweetheart that is yep. also kind of a badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's like the bad boy, but has a heart of gold, you know, like, yep. boy, did I really like him in this movie. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's an ensemble movie, like you yeah. said, and they try to give a lot of characters like their own mm-hmm. little stories mm-hmm. and moments. Um, unfortunately, they don't really do that with Ken Forey's character. No, he's just kind of there. But, like, you get all of these really funny moments where he is, like, either giving advice to people. He's like a voice of or, reason character, Yeah, right? which yeah. I, I do really like mm-hmm. him in that role. I think that is like a a good role for him yeah. to be in just Agreed. being like trying to like in the back when like everyone's getting really hot-headed mm-hmm. cuz you know it is these like different factions of the troop yep. kind of clashing together mm-hmm. and for the most part he seems to try to be one of the peacekeepers of mm-hmm. this group that is like obviously very necessary because yeah. they're so dysfunctional yeah i mean their leader is self-flagellating in lakes every morning we never find out why but he's clearly never. got some emotional issues never. there's just a lot with. of like Ed Harris in water where you can just see the top of his ass. Yeah, and he's got an extreme tan line. I know, it's so funny. Yeah. Um but yeah, like and but then you get like uh the way Ken Forey is filmed too. It's a ton of these moments where they're just like highlighting how tall he is. Yeah. One moment I remember it was like after their first uh fair, they're all like partying after, and he's just holding two poles shirtless and uh-huh. just kissing this woman. Yeah. And I don't know why that scene is there, but I'm like, sure, of yep. course that works for me. Like that's yeah. what's happening. Uh Knight Riders is a killer movie. Like I really like this movie. It's like it's kind of this like strange movie about like community and like the power of community yeah it's really heartwarming yeah and not what i expected for romero to do after seeing all of his other all of these other movies that he's done yeah yeah i i liked it a lot it you know it's a weird movie but i i liked it quite a bit the the characters are just like very charming um yeah, so that yeah, has he works with all of these really amazing. But yeah, people. Uh, so he a uh, uh, small role in this movie. There, yeah, definitely a small role. Um, he then goes on to do more like TV shows. He does Dukes of Hazard, The A Team, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Knight Rider, which is funny. You know what's funny? <laughs> Knight Riders. I yeah, I also think you've read this exact list of shows for every other person we've done oh, on this show already. Like everybody did episodes of these shows. It's really cool because like I I've seen like 
bits of the Hel- Alfred Hitchcock hour here mm-hmm. and there, but now I want to watch it through just to see what. Oh yeah, like the array All of these actors. People? Yeah, I know. Um, he then goes on to do a movie called Jojo Dancer. Your life is calling. Ooh, uh, with Michael Ironside. With Michael Ironside. Who maybe will be a future episode of the show. We're both big fans. Yeah, it's and it's another Richard Pryor movie. Oh, really? Um, he actually directed this movie, which I think Pryor is really did. interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, after severely burning himself in a drug incident, a comedian has a near death experience oh, in which he whoa. reviews his life. Okay, wait. Do you are you familiar enough with this to know that this is a true story? Then no. Okay, so he uh, Pryor. One of his very famous jokes is about him having to quit smoking crack because he lit himself Holy on fire shit. while doing it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, he he uh, he has a tragic tragic backstory, mm-hmm. and uh, I had no idea that he directed a movie based on that story, which is fascinating. Um, but yeah, and then works with uh, Forey again, which is kind of cool to see them doing that. Um, but yeah, then he goes on to do a TV me- movie called North Star, where he's literally just credited as the black astronaut. <laughs> um, but then in 1986, he stars alongside Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs in a Stuart Gordon Lovecraft adaptation, From Beyond. Yes, you know, uh, I, which we just watched for the first time a few months ago, actually. You know what is wild to me? I have seen this movie at least three times now, and I always forget that Ken Forey is in this movie, yeah. which is. The unfortunate thing about, again, like pretty much every other Ken Forey movie I've seen is he's got these kind of small roles Mm -hmm. where he's not forgettable, but the role itself doesn't really ask that much of him or give him much to do. He's pretty good in this movie and actually does have more to do, I think, than in like other things that we've kind of seen. It's a little more significant role. Again, this voice of reason where like in From Beyond, like Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs are both like really fucked up over this like crazy machine that they're getting real horny and losing their minds over the uh what do they call it? Uh, the it's like a frequency thing. I forget what they call it. I know I forget the name of it, but yeah, like there's that you know iconic moment where Barbara Crampton is wearing the like S and M outfit, where yeah. she's got that like amazing like leather corset on, yeah. and she's like trying to just seduce whoever. <laughs> and Ken Forey is just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like <laughs> he he knows better than to respond positively to a crazy white woman yeah. who would not dress that way otherwise. <laughs> He's like, do you know what's going on yeah. right now? Yeah. Like, absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. Um, but that's such a fun movie, and I also like love that he got to work with Stuart Gordon yeah. and those two as well, because like we yep. love Crampton and Combs so much. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you want some guaranteed future episodes from us, I can uh, probably the two of them. <sighs> My God, yeah. and I'm just gonna crush on both of them yep. so hard. Yep. Um, from then uh, in 1988, he goes on to do movies like Terror Squad and another movie where he plays Harley True Blood. <laughs> In Viper. <laughs> Harley Trueblood is a great character name. Um, and he stars, well, not star, but he is in that movie alongside um Linda Pearl, who we actually just saw in uh, Visiting Hours. Yeah, you really like that movie. Oh man, I love Visiting Hours. It's such a good B movie, but yeah. it's also cool just to see like you know some crossover with these like B movie stars that I'm really into. Yeah. Um, which I would also love to do her, considering she's also been in some some B movies. I'm into it. 
Um, he then goes on to do a TV movie called Glitz that stars Jimmy Smiths. Ooh, Jimmy uh, Smith. Which I just need, I mean, v- please like look this up, but this is the cover. Jimmy Smiths has like this long, luscious hair that's Whoa. like really working for him. It's amazing. Um, he's like playing a Miami cop. <laughs> Uh, this looks like a thing that I would like, question mark? It's very possible. Um, Vincent Mara is a Miami cop on medical leave in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I mean, it it has to be. <laughs> we were just talking about how, like, some TV movies are, like, eh, not bad, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, it's based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Oh, so there you go. It's yeah. probably... And Some, just look at good. Jimmy Smith's just, hair. I mean, how could you not watch it just for that? I I would. Um, he then goes on to do a movie called True Blood alongside Sherilyn Fen- oh. Fenn and Billy Drago, who's another one of my favorite weird genre actors who you never remember, but as soon as they show you his face, he's like always the creepy dude and shit. Um, I'll look him up while you continue. Yes. So... Um, he then goes on to do a movie, which sounds like it's probably really bad, but I also secretly want to ah, watch Billy it. Billy Drago. Yep. Uh, he does a movie called Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. I tried to figure out if there were other Phantom of the Mall right, movies. Th- that it required that title? And I couldn't find any information on other Phantom of the Mall movies. Okay. Uh, but... The uh, plot summary here is a guy called Eric owns a huge house and some greedy people want to build a mall over it. So they get someone to burn down his house. Eric is badly burned, but not dead. And a year later, the mall opens. What they didn't realize is that Eric is living underneath the mall and he's very angry. (laughs) All right. So just, I mean, I always have to remind myself that oftentimes these are written by users on IMDb because I was like, there's no way the official summary of this movie starts with a guy called Eric. (laughs) I mean, like, who else is going to write the the summary (laughs) for a movie like this, though? Like, but. Would watch, probably. Yeah. Especially since Ken Forey is in it, hey. which now is a perfect reason to watch any B-movie. Polly Shore, also in this movie, playing a character named Buzz. Buzz. Wow, what a cast. Um, And then closes out the 80s uh, by doing Death Spa in huh. 1989, which is one of my favorite B-movies that I have seen several times. It's and like my new favorite movie. I was so excited to watch this with you because I've talked about it so much. Mm. And it ended up on uh, our list that we did together of like um, the long Halloween mm-hmm. movies that you should watch throughout the year. Yeah, you can check that out on uh, Cinema 76. And this was my January pick, which is very fitting since it's January because this is Gotta Death get in Spa. shape. And yeah, you got to get in shape or you don't got to get in shape. And instead, we sit on the couch. Um, I also think it's just fun to point out that we watched this the night of the... Um, <laughs> Of Insurrection. The, yes. Uh, when the domestic terrorists yep. uh, stormed the Capitol. Um, because as opposed to doom scrolling, we thought it was better to just like disengage entirely there was with a movie about a killer gym. Nothing productive that we could have done in nothing. response to what was happening. Yeah. So I decided there was no reason not to watch Death Spa. Yeah. And it was a great choice. Then it turned out Death Spa is one of the best fucking movies ever. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I get that this movie has a reputation, I think, as being, you know, uh, a a highly enjoyable, pretty bad mm-hmm. movie. Yep. Uh, which is fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am here to argue this is a very well-directed movie that I think I actually genuinely yep. enjoyed. 
boy, this has this is full of pop tarty frames. Mm-hmm. I love the purple and pink color scheme mm-hmm. of most of this movie. There are also a lot of like genuinely beautiful frames in this yep. movie. I think like outside of the ridiculous eighties cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, you got ghosts. You got people on fire. Mm-hmm. You got maybe an incest side plot. Yeah. Uh, you got. A uh, crazy like demonologist dude mm-hmm. that comes into the gym to figure out what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, you get like the state of the art gym mm-hmm. that like everything is like automated by its supercomputer, which is hilarious. This is also one of those movies where it seems like they had six different ideas for like what the plot could yeah. be. And they just did all of them instead and of choosing one. It was a great choice. Yeah. It was the perfect choice because yeah. this is a great movie. Because it's like a super, it's like a gym controlled by a supercomputer that goes bad, but also is possessed. But also, you know, it's like, there's just like wearing hats on hats on hats. And yeah. I loved it. Yes. Great look. Uh, and Forey, this is the movie where he, who, oh, right. He is like a gym attendant. He, he works at the gym yeah. and is clearly really good friends with, the owner, like, the like owner, who's yeah. the, oh, the lead. They have that great conversation where they just throw a football back and forth while they're having like a very serious conversation. A very serious conversation. Yeah. And then there's like another scene where they're just like splashing around in the water together. Yeah. So there are all these moments where they're just trying to show you like in the middle of all the shit that's happening at this gym where people's like limbs are falling off yeah. or they're just like, I don't know, Stuck being exposed to like showers. acid, yeah. steam. Um, they're just like goofing off, being buzz. Yeah. And Forey's wearing a lot of the time this like amazing like half jacket because he's got no shirt underneath and the jacket like comes up to his chest. Yeah, but it seems to also have coattails uh, and it's got like a, a big rainbow with, collar. Like, yeah, the rainbow stripes on it. Yeah. It's a it's like it's incredible. Such a good the look. costumes in this movie in general are really incredible. Yeah. There uh, is a man that looks like he wishes he were like Mel Gibson that stars mm-hmm. in this movie and at one point is wearing a jacket with no shirt underneath it. And, like, leaves the house that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, goes about his day. That is a fashion choice. Goes several different places. Yeah. yeah like, fashion wild, choice. wild stuff. Yeah. Real good. Um, Real good. <laughs> yeah. And also, Ken Forey, like, he's, like, working at the gym, but then you also just see, like, random women coming up to him and, like, kissing him and stuff. Yeah. Which is, like, really hilarious to me that that's just, like, a thing that's either they're deciding to do or it's written in the script. Like, yeah, you're friends with everyone. So just go up and give them a big kiss. Like- yeah, I, I can't tell. Yeah, I don't know. I get the impression that is just like, oh, the sex appeal of this man. Of course every woman that walks by you would want you. I mean, why not? Yeah. You know? Um, so then we get to Ken Forey in the 90s, uh, starting with a movie called Fatal Charm, which sounds ooh, truly horrifying. Oh, James Remar is in this movie. James Remar is in this movie, but um, he may have been convicted of raping and murdering six young women, but to a smitten teenage girl who's initiated a relationship by male, he's just a cute guy who couldn't possibly be guilty. Did he or didn't what he? What the fuck? It sounds so problematic. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. And that's just like right out the gate, 1990, we're doing this. Uh, I can tell you that the director looks like ultimately allowed themselves to be credited as Alan Smithy, which is the classic I want to distance myself from this movie name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alan Smithy is the sort of like the fake name that lots of stuff gets attributed to when people want to take their names off of it. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Um. 
so yeah, that's that's where we start. <laughs> Great. Um, and then he does a movie called Diplomatic Immunity, starring Billy Drago, um, and then stars in the 1990. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 film, which is called uh, Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which has Viggo Mortensen in it, which I saw I this at an exhumed event. Um, I've only seen the first two, uh, and I like both of them like a lot, a lot, uh, and would like to see some of these sequels, because like, I'm very familiar with the one that um, McConaughey is in. Yeah, I've not seen it's it, McConaughey but I, and like, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. yeah, but I had no idea Viggo was in the third one. Uh, he's in the third one with Ken Forey, which Amazing. I need to rewatch because I feel like this was one of the movies that played late and I was sleepy and mm. didn't watch all of it. Um, and it also had a woman named Kate Hodge who was in it, who was in this uh, short-lived TV show called She-Wolf of London. Whoa. Uh, this woman gets bitten by a werewolf and then essentially every time she becomes horny, she turns into a werewolf. That's like <laughs> kind of the plot of this movie. It's wild. Um, some of the TV roles he takes around this time, he does Quantum Leap, Family Matters, Cheers, Dallas, and Matlock. Um, and then goes on to do, in 1991, a film called Night of the Warrior. Um, that's a Lorenzo Lamas movie. Yeah. Very cool. Um, 1993, he's in a Dolph Lundgren movie, um, Army of One. <laughs> that sounds like a Dolph Lundgren <laughs> of movie. Of course. And then he is in 1995 in one of my favorite shows. He's in an episode of The X-Files. Um, it's an episode called The List. Um, which it totally makes sense to me that Ken Forey eventually ended up on The X-Files. That's I really know. cool. Um, yeah, it's the plot of this one was em- enemies of a prison inmate who was executed in the electric chair begin dying one by one. Um, I like very vividly remember this one. Uh, but Forey, I think, plays like one of the guards in it. Um, but... This is like a really like creepy X Files episode. Um, That's cool. So love that he was in that. <laughs> um, he then goes on uh, to do a movie called The Dentist, uh, the which dentist. came out in 1996. And you better believe that Garrett and I watched this the other oh, night. Oh my god, The Dentist is a fucking wild movie. Okay, I got excited about this because uh, this was written by Stuart Gordon. Yep. And Dennis Paoli, mm-hmm. uh, who both worked on um, From Beyond with yep. Ken Forey before mm-hmm. and Reanimator, which is a favorite of ours. And it's directed by Brian Yuzna, who directed Society, which I know you uh, I have seen. I've seen. I've yeah. not yet. Um, but he directed like some of the Reanimator sequels. I think yep. all the Reanimator sequels mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and so I was like, oh, this creative team is like really weird and wild. Mm-hmm. We should check this movie out. Yeah. Uh, and it stars this guy, Corbin Burnson. Uh, who's been in some other stuff. He's in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He's also the dad in Psych, okay. which, like, that might not mean a lot to people, but, like, I watched Psych a lot okay. just because it was on, I think, USA, USA? I all think the so. time. So I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's amazing in this movie. It, it feels like a stepfather, like, American psycho kind yeah. of, like... Hey, like white guys in power are really fucked up kind yeah, of movie. It's like a slasher about the bourgeois just being fucking like perverted, yeah. like wicked people, you know? Um, and is pretty funny, uh, genuinely gross. There's a lot of what I would just straight up call teeth mutilation in this movie. <laughs> Which, like, I didn't realize was a thing that triggered me because I've never dealt with it. Triggers that much. the absolute shit out of me. <laughs> like, he drills a tooth so Yeah, you don't much. gotta even talk about it to me. <laughs> 
it's it's horrifying. It's so gross. It's really gross. Uh but uh, this movie is fun. It's really oh, dumb. Man. It's really weird. It's pretty funny. Um, if you like Reanimator and From Beyond, it is a similar sort of like yep. kind of twisted sense of humor. It's a little bit sick and demented, yep. but it's pretty funny. Like I, I really liked this movie. And Ken Forey plays a detective in this movie. Yeah, who's like kind of trying. He he like knows there's this string of just happenings going on in the neighborhood because for some reason in the dentist while he. Corbin uh, Burnson is having this mental breakdown. The first thing he kills is a dog. Yeah. And so essentially Ken Forey as a detective is just trying to investigate who killed the dog. Yeah, yeah. And then all this other shit starts happening. Um, and Forey is really amazing in this He's movie. He's great in this movie. I kept saying to you he reminds me of a Lawrence Fishburne character, yeah. which is very interesting to me to find out there together. was a credit earlier that they worked together. Because my guess is, based on when that credit was, my guess is Lawrence Fishburne is probably younger than him by a little bit. Mm. And so it wouldn't surprise me if like what I am reading is like some big Lawrence Fishburne energy is actually like a little bit yeah. of like how Ken Forey really mm-hmm. is. And, and yeah. maybe Larry got a little bit of that rubbed off on him, you know? And we also like, you know, we watched, um, I feel like that's kind of on our mind. Like we watched Hannibal mm-hmm. like this yep. past year and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, he's just like this very smart, charismatic, like detective. Yeah. And yeah, like we we have seen Lawrence Fishburne in that kind of role before. Well, but... and just that like that thing that Lawrence Fishburne always does, which is he goes big. Yeah. And Forey's going big here. And actually Forey is not that big an actor. I mean, he's a big presence physically, but mm. He's not like a, I don't think of him as a big actor. And he goes pretty big in this role, and it's fun. It's like, it's really, really fun. He's so much fun in this movie, uh, which really makes all of the movie worth it. Um, And then what's really interesting, which I found out, was that um, he he does a couple, like, Nickelodeon roles. Um, He's a voice in an episode of The Angry Beavers. But more importantly, he plays the dad in Kenan and Kel. Which means I grew up with this man and didn't even know it. I know. And it's wild to me because, like... I, I mean, when I think of Keenan and Kel, I just think of Keenan and Kel. Yeah, I don't I think really of, uh, think of anyone who else. Put the screw in the tuna. <laughs> but yeah, like he was in most of the episodes, and he was in the t- the movie that they did. So like he was a major part of that production, mm-hmm. and so like a major part of our childhood. Yeah. which is I wild. had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just like makes me so happy that he he was there. Yeah. Um, like knowing that that was like a part of my life was like, oh, cool. Like <laughs> you were there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, he also does an episode of a show that I never heard of called The Nightmare Room, which was another R.L. Stein anthology show, which I yeah. guess I just never watched. I don't know this one either, and I wonder if it's like pre Goosebumps or yeah. like you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's pretty interesting to me that there was. Something non-Goosebumps related that his name was on. Yeah, which, like, to be fair, I was a really big scaredy cat when I was a kid, so I didn't like watching Goosebumps. It, like, freaked me out too much. Um, but, yeah, like, this one is no- not one that I've heard of at all. And Interesting. I bu- it looks like it's because it was a kid's show that aired between 2001 and 2002. Uh, interesting. So, for me, I would be, like, I think in high school by the mm. time this is happening. Yeah. So, that might be why I, I was, like, already past this yeah. stuff, maybe, you know? So, yeah, then we're getting into, like, Ken Forey's, like, stuff in the, the early 2000s. So, yeah, yeah he, he does the show The Nightmare Room and then does Keenan and Kel, Two Heads Are Better Than One. 
won the movie. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, still working in that realm. But then has, um, which we didn't realize when we watched this, but he has a very bit role in the Dawn of the Dead sequel um, in which he essentially delivers one of the same lines he does in the original movie and does it really well. Um, yeah. It's a, it's like a two-minute part and I really love him in it but he essentially plays like a televangelist on TV reporting on like what's happening yeah and you mean the uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake by uh, Zack Snyder yes yeah which I, I guess you could maybe say is a sequel I mean you know uh-huh. Oh, but, did I say a sequel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, what are the words that came out of my mouth <laughs> that you needed to, <laughs> to correct me? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe it's not expressly a sequel or not no, a sequel, but No, but like remake. it is. Yeah. yeah, it is a remake. Um, um, which is which, interesting because at that point, Romero is still making movies. Yeah, I mean, and he made Land of the Dead. Yeah. Like, it came out the year later after mm-hmm. this movie or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I so for some reason, I was like, once we watched the original Dawn of the Dead, I was like, we really should, I was, you know, we really should watch that remake because it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. I got to say it's not as good as I remembered it being, but I was still like enjoyed it, you know? I also think like watching the original and then watching this one right on the heels of that, you mean like Romero's is so good. His central characters are so interesting. Mm -hmm. His zombies are really, um, they're like compelling. They're very compelling zombies. And then you have Tom Savini makeup effects, Mm -hmm. which like, I don't, give a fuck like who's doing the makeup effects yeah. in this one like it's not going to beat that yeah um, that is interesting because we were talking about that that watching them back to back like something that's interesting about romero zombies is that the zombies themselves are interesting yeah. and there is like there's something implied about them and what they're going mm-hmm. through in the way that they move the makeup they use <laughs> where zombies in most other movies the remake of dawn of the dead included are literal just like mon- they're vacuous monsters yeah. you know they're they're there's nothing you don't even think about the fact that they once were people really yeah, do you know what really. i mean yeah. and and romero zombies you're like always thinking about the fact yeah. that they were just people because zombies know? also in his movie seem to have some like there's some, some semblance like of humanity still memory in there. skills yeah. or something mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. is tied to them yeah. still yeah um even if they are doing yeah. these like horrendous things and it's like the the snyder one is so stripped of all the social commentary which is one of the things that's like yeah. so impactful of yeah. the original yeah um and yeah so like watching it back to back like it kind of fell flat for me there's definitely fun stuff in it but like it's a very I'm not a big zombie movie right. person. Yeah. And so when I do watch zombie movies, I want there to be this like really interesting piece that Something latches me on. Something meaty there that's not um, just yeah. the zombie Like recently, all. like this past year, we watched uh, Blood Quantum yeah, where yeah. the whole aspect of that movie is that for some reason, only indigenous people yeah. can't be turned into zombies, right, which is fascinating. Yeah. And I loved that idea. And that was a very compelling movie because yeah. it had that. Mm-hmm. And, and it is that social commentary aspect. And so really, if it's just these like, oh, it's zombies and they're fast now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's kind of it. And like a lot of the characters you don't really latch on to in this movie either. Um, but it is cool that they brought Ken Forey. They also had the guy that plays um, Soldier in the yeah. original come back too. So it's like nice yeah. that they tried to incorporate. Some yeah, of they the paid homage cast. very nicely. And, mm-hmm. and for me, it was just like, I was impressed that a movie that is so stripped of everything that actually makes the original one great is still pretty entertaining. It is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like sure. it was a good, you know, 
just three star Saturday afternoon. Yeah, there were moments that like where I was like, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I dig that. And yeah. like they did some character stuff that I was yeah. into mm-hmm. too. But yeah, overall, it was kind of like when Meh. you watch them back to back, it's like no comparison. It's in like my mind. typical zombie yeah. movie. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. But yeah, and and the fury of it all in that one is really just a cameo. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But a but a nice one. But a nice one. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's that line. Um. Yeah. When the uh when when there's no more room in hell, the dead shall walk there. Yeah. Or something like mm-hmm. that. Which is interesting because in the first movie he says that in regards to I think he says like his grandfather was a um. Oh man, I forget where he said they were from, but he was like Trinidad. A, maybe I can't remember. I, it may have been, but yeah, it was like a um. He was like a a voodoo like right. priest or something, right. um, and then this one he's just straight playing like a, looks like a, a Christian like yeah. televangelist. Um, so yeah, I thought one note I had to of something he did early because he had a credit for it was he does a voice in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which like I don't That's really huge. play those video games. That's huge. But pretty cool that yep, he did that. Very cool. Um, and then in 2005, he is in The Devil's Rejects, um, which is the beginning of his relationship with Rob Zombie, and he ends up doing several of Rob Zombie's movies. He's in a, I think, I, from talking with you about mm-hmm. this, he is in all of the whatever that family is known as movies. He's uh, There are three of them. He's not in um, House of a Thousand oh, Corpses. Okay. I don't know if he's in the new Three from one. Hell? Is that what yeah. Okay, maybe not. But I know he was at the premiere because I saw an interview yeah, with okay, him okay. talking at that premiere. Um, but it's interesting, too, because we were talking about this. Like, I, you know, obviously Ken Forey was a big part of my life because as a kid, I watched Keenan and Cal a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so I saw him that all the time. And then I wasn't really into horror, but in high school, like, I hung out with all the, like, emo, goth, metal kids. And so we the horror movies I did watch were, like, the... Um, Rob Zombie movies. Yeah. And even though I didn't really like horror, that's what I watched. So, like, those were also the movies I was watching as far as horror goes. So then that's also why Ken Forey was a part of my life. And Devil's Rejects, I used to have on DVD. I, like, watched it a lot. It's I thought it was fun. Definitely the one of his movies that I think um, uh, people have kind of latched on to. Like, that, yeah. that seems to be the one that kind of rose to the top. It's like, oh, this one's good. And especially like when, because some of his roles from Rob Zombie's movies, because I haven't seen them in a while, aren't that memorable. But his role in particular in Devil's Rejects was really memorable to me because he's so funny. And I think it's one of the best scenes. They like all to hide out, they all go to this like brothel that Ken Forey is the like man, like runs, he's the manager of. Um, And he's like, you know, dressed to the nines. He's got this great outfit on and he's so charismatic and he's just like goofing off with these like fucking murderers yeah. um but like he's he brings so much to that role and it's really cool i it's been a very long time since i've seen this movie and i really don't remember it that well but we watched one of his scenes from this movie and uh it is exactly as you describe it. It's just like very funny and charming. Yeah. And like the, the, he, you know, worked with uh, Romero several times and talks about really enjoying him, yeah. like working with him. And same with Zombie. Um, he says he like really enjoyed him. He wasn't really familiar with Zob- Rob Zombie's previous work, but he was really into this script, which he thought was wonderfully written. Um, he's like, I've since become a fan of his music and I'm always impressed when I attend one of his concerts. Um, it helps to have a director who you feel comfortable with. And I do with Rob. I enjoy him, so it makes the process easier. Boy, do I love the idea of Ken Forey at a Rob Zombie concert. I was thinking about that. I'm like, he must stand so much taller yeah. than all of the other. I assume like it's either like old heads or yeah. like you know young like. 
I bet it's, I, I bet it's all old people at Rob Zombie shows. Oh, it's really funny. Um, yeah, then in um, 2016, he's in a film called Devil's Den with oh, Devin Sawa. Or 2006, yeah. Uh, with Devin Sawa. Do you remember him? I, oh, I remember Devin Sawa. I Which love Devin Sawa. Which is so funny that they were in a movie together. Yeah, I'm, I, I genuinely like Devin Sawa. Uh, it doesn't look great, but the... The whole uh, premise is... I do um, love that Devin Sawa is always making this face in every Devin Sawa yeah, poster. Yeah, it's just this, like, kind of confused and, like, sad. I don't know. Just yeah. look at the the uh, <laughs> uh, fi- Final Destination poster, and it's the exact same face. Um, but the the um, synopsis for the film is two small-time drug dealers cross paths with a female assassin, a monster hunter, a Japanese swordsman, and even the devil himself at a gentleman's club housing murderous she-demons. <laughs> I mean, sounds fucking wild. It sounds like cheapo madness, and I'm into it. Yeah, like, this this could be a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Um, but, like, just and it looks his like commitment he's like to these. one of the leads. Like, yeah. This looks like we could get a meteor Ken Forey performance Which here. makes me really want to see see it yeah yeah um in 2007 he's in a short film called black santa's revenge we gotta seek that out uh, i we would really like to have see to. that yeah and then the same year he does a film called brutal massacre a comedy uh which has mick jarris uh mick Garris in it as himself which oh, i think is really funny that's interesting um but yeah it's about um like a, a horror auteur who finds himself kind of like not doing great in the film industry anymore. And he gets this like next chance to make a film uh, called Brutal Massacre. Um, so it's the, just kind of about the cast and crew. Like the cast with for this is other. crazy, actually. Brian O'Halloran, one of the stars of Clerks, is mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, Gunnar Hansen, who if I click on him, you will recognize. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. He, is, uh, he played Leatherface in the mm-hmm. original uh, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, what a crazy cast. So it's it sounds kind of fun. Like there was that movie that um is still like in production that was the last movie that um Saxon was in. That's kind of seems like the self aware kind of B movie right, right. film. And that's also what this seems yeah. to be like too. So it's interesting seeing this cast and being like, Oh, that could be kind of fun. I like haven't heard of it at all, but yeah. I'd be kind of interested in checking it out. Um he then Goes on to, um, he like does start producing some of the movies that he's also eventually in as well, which I think is interesting. Um, he was in a 30 Days of Night miniseries pilot that was eventually not picked up. Um, he was in a film called Splatter Disco, which what a fucking great name that is. Um, who is, uh, the person who's also in that movie is Lynn Lowry, um, who was from the crazies and shivers. Mm, um, okay, she's yeah. like the, she's the girl that is like in that fucked up relationship with her father and the crazies. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, wow. and I think she's like the nurse in shivers. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I was really excited that like they were in that yeah. film together too later. Um, definitely sounds like one of those films we were talking about where some director was like, Oh, I could get these like, you know, B movie stars to yeah. be in my movie. Um, in 2007, he does Rob Zombie's um, Halloween remake, which I've seen, but it's been quite a while. I need to see that. Um, so I, yeah, I really like forget a lot of his actual role in that movie. Um, and then same year does Brotherhood of Blood with Sid Haig, uh, <laughs> where they are playing vampires, vampire hunters, <laughs> vampire hunters like, yeah. uh, which sounds probably like it's pretty fun. I would definitely watch it. I would watch. 
Um, he goes on to do The Haunted World of El Superbisto. <laughs> that's another, that's like zombies animated movie. Yep. Uh, Zone of the Dead, which seems to be um, not an Italian. I think it's a Serbian of the Dead movie. Interesting. Which is very interesting. Um, and then he does a movie called Live Evil or Live Evil in 2009, um, which has a man named Tim Thomerson starring in it, which I think is just like a really fascinating name. Tim Thomerson. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that kind of closes out his, like, uh, beginning of the 2000s. Um, but then 2010s, um, he does a film called DC Sniper, which he was the writer and producer of, um, as well as starring in the film. It's wild to me that he wanted to make a movie, but I remember when that happened. Uh... And it, it sounds like it's a bit of a different plot than the original. A mysterious shooter randomly kills innocent citizens in public, one after the other in broad daylight. All murders happen not far from the White House, not far from the president. Interesting. I mean, so it seems to kind of be adding this extra element to it. Yeah. But you're right, it's weird, because I also remember when this was happening. I remember when that happened, and it and was my, like scary and weird, and yeah. I'm curious what would attract Fori to it. You my know? like aunt had just moved out that way, and so I remember being like really scared that something was going to happen to my aunt during yeah. all that. So yeah, it's fascinating that this is something he wanted to do, but like... I'm because he was also writing it. I'm very interested in what right. particular take he took. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would be interested in seeing that. Um, 2011, he is in Water for Elephants with uh, Mr. Robert Pattinson mm, and yes. Reese Witherspoon, yes, yes. which I think is fascinating. Um, does Lords of Fa- Salem in 2012, another zombie film, which um, I have seen but i don't really remember too too much about um unfortunately i don't remember loving that movie even though it's about like witches in salem um he does a movie called cut print uh about a group of ambitious filmmakers um who are set to create the world's first reality horror movie um, their plans are simple. They'd offer an active serial killer money, I guess, to like film him uh, killing people, which is kind of a plot of a movie that like was made in like the 70s or 80s, I think, where it's this like documentary crew kind of following around a serial killer. Yeah. I can't remember the name is of it. That, I know it has dog in it. Is, uh, oh, oh. Uh, is that Man Bites Dog? Man Bites Dog, yeah. Uh, which I think was on Criterion, so I've seen that movie, and like this sounded very similar to that, which well, I think I can is tell interesting. you that Tamara Frappicella plays actress number four. Oh, do you know Tamara? No, I just think that's an amazing name, Tamara Frappicella. <laughs> um, in 2015, he is in a film called. Brud Brothers, uh, two brothers, Charles and Thomas, who feel they're uh, of I- superior intelligence, concoct a <laughs> deadly game of murder to fulfill their devious fantasies. Um, but one of the reasons I wrote it down was because it also has uh, Mrs. Barbara Crampton in it. Hell yeah, Forian and Crampton reuniting. Reunited, two of my faves, love it. I would watch it. Um, he then goes on to do a film in 2016, The Rift, Dark Side of the Moon, <laughs> which is just a right. great name. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're getting into the territory of like, what? He's It only costs $10 to get him for a week? Hire him. Um, then he does a movie called The Midnight Man in 2017. 
and then after that appears in the horror documentary Horror Noir, which I was excited yeah. that I remembered this because we saw this big on the screen, big screen. Um, Exhumed Films in uh, Philadelphia did this. Um, we watched this film and then watched um, Candyman right after, yeah. which was such a great double feature. Yeah. But um, Horror Noir is an amazing documentary and I'm so happy that Ken Forey was included in this and I really really want, want to rewatch this because I would love to know more about his insights um, being like a black actor doing a lot of these like iconic films but also like being like sidelined a lot of the time too in some of the roles he's in I, th- I might be wrong about this but so I know that this movie is available on Shutter. it is um, and I feel like there might even be some supplementary material up there that might have some yeah. more interviews with some of the people yeah and the one of the women behind it I think she runs a blog that's called Cemetery Girls Ashley Blackwell I think is her I name I believe that's right yeah, yeah. Um, she's amazing yeah. she was really cool to listen to um yeah, there are so many amazing minds that were behind this. Mm-hmm. Like, and we gained so much from this as far as just like movies we knew we needed to seek yeah. out and watch. Um, I know we've watched a couple, but there are still a few that I'm like really interested yeah, in. Yeah, we keep out. like wanting to watch Ganja and Hess and haven't gotten to it mm-hmm. yet. Some stuff like that. Bones. Um, yeah, bones. I still haven't seen like Blackula and stuff. No, like, all things I would really Blackula, love to yeah. see. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just so excited that Ken Forey was included in Horror Noir. Um, I would love to know that. He He's also like a great personality too. Like he's perfect for something like he that. He is. Um, and then his uh, final film was in 2020 uh, called John Henry. Um, when two immigrant kids on the run from his former South Los Angeles gang leader stumble into his life, John is forced to reconcile with his past in order to try and give them a future. Um, it also has. Well, so it stars Terry Crews. Terry Crews. John Henry. Yep. Ludacris is in this film as well. Goddamn right he is. Um, so it's interesting, too, because this kind of seems a little bit different from, like, some of the stuff that Ken Forhey has been doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm um, curious. I mean, obviously, there is the legend of John Henry. It's, I'm wondering how much it's actually, like, a modern retelling of that. Yeah, you know? I'm interested. Um, but, uh, and, you know, I like Terry Crews, and I do actually I do like Ludacris because I love Fast and Furious movies. Of course. So, um, you know, I'm... I'm in. I'm, uh, I would watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, one of the interviews I saw was, um, you know, him at the Three from Hell premiere. And he was mm. like listing off a lot of the stuff he was working on. And, you know, he seems to be really interested in writing and producing as well as still acting. But like he's someone, too. When I was like going through his career which this doesn't always seem to be the case. He had, it seems like he was busier and busier the longer his career was going on. Like he was doing more. Like there were pretty big gaps in between his work in like the sixties and the seventies. And even in the eighties, there wasn't as much as I really expected when we dived into Ken Forey. I wonder, and you know, weird to ask this question is we're literally doing a profile on him. I don't know that much about him, but like, I know he did theater early on. I wonder if some of those early years were filled with like theater and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like couldn't find, Find tons of information on it, yeah. mostly because, like, in a lot of the interviews, like, people want to talk about Dawn of the yeah, Dead, of and they yeah. want to know how he got yeah. started in movies, and so um, some of that information's a little fuzzy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it's out there. I'd be really interested. But it is cool that like he is someone, especially when we see some of these actors who like took long breaks or maybe have trouble getting work now that they're older, seeing that he's someone that's like really trying to to be out there and yeah. be doing stuff. Um, 
now Ken Forey is uh, living in Victorville, California. Um, some of the interesting tidbits I found out, um, he appeared as himself in a 20, uh, 2008 novel, Bad Moon Rising, by Jonathan Mabry. Um, Forey is one of several real-world horror celebrities who are in this fictional town of Pine Deep when monsters attack, which is amazing. Um, Another tidbit I saw was that in Shaun of the Dead, uh, the company that Shaun is working for is known as Forey Electronics. I had no idea. I've seen that movie so many times. I know. Me too. And I was like, fuck yeah. It's so funny. Um, there was a, I believe this was in England, there was a um, Forey Fest, so it was a film festival that was named cool. after him, um, and he does seem to be someone who does, um, he does go to the festivals, mm-hmm. and he does do some of like the convention circuits as well, so he's like, you know, there's a quote from him where he's like, you know, of like, of course I like people like coming up to me and telling them, telling me how much they love me. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I really love that aspect too, that he like likes being connected to the fans. Um, and then I have this quote where he talks about his career. He says, um, I've had a varied career. Some fans remember me as the actor who always plays the heavy. Others say I always play the police detective. Dawn of the Dead had some influence on me being brought aboard on a few projects, I'm sure. I am just a working actor, although I do believe in fate, mm-hmm. uh, which is is interesting, um, where he... It's kind of like, yeah, I've had this like weird career and I just let it go where it takes me. And I'm like, yeah, man, that that's the best. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, he just that big stature, it makes sense that he uh, got cast as the heavy a lot. People remember him as the heavy, yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when I I guess like when you are just such a a big presence like that, yep. like people are like, yeah, of course we want you for like this or this. Yep, yep. Um, but man, yeah, I love Ken Forey and you know, just learning more about him and doing this deep dive in him, on him and, like, learning more about him. I feel like he's also just, like, grown on me even more. He just seems like such a lovable person. He seems like a very warm presence. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I am so glad we did this just because I feel like I watched, like, four or five, like, pretty awesome movies. I know. Um, just from trying to track some of his career. Yeah. And it's sad that he didn't always, like, star in said movies right. and he had maybe smaller roles. But yeah. it definitely opened me up to more... B movie stuff that I probably wouldn't have watched otherwise. Yeah, I I don't know that I would have even I don't know how the dentist would have come across my desk had I not started doing some. But I am so Ken happy did. research. Yeah, and there's a sequel, The Dentist too. Apparently, like basically the same creative team. Which uh, so fuck yes. would like to see. Yes, yeah. would love to. Yeah. All right. Uh, awesome. I don't remember if we've come up with any kind of closing for this show other than to just plug our wares and yeah, get you, out of here. Yeah, you sing a song. Don't you remember your song? No. Are you just putting me in the place where I have to sing a song now? Yes. Oh. Uh... <laughs> you don't actually have to sing okay, a song. Great. It's fine. Um, yeah, we don't have any proper closing. If anyone thinks of something yeah. that would be fun for us to do, let us know. Uh, you can find both of us on moviejohn.com. Uh, I have a feeling by the time this is coming out, that's where we'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've both written for them recently yes. enough anyway, yeah, yeah, so exactly. uh, you will find more of our work there, uh, yeah. which is exciting. You can look up uh, both of us on cinema76.com, where we have a ton of stuff that's mm-hmm. been published. Um, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at Philadelphia. that's with an F, and I have another podcast called I Like to Movie Movie. 
And you can find me on Letterboxd uh, as Victoria Potenza. Uh, and I have another uh, movie podcast called Butter With That. Um, we, you know, don't know when this will actually get released, but we did our like best of 2020 episode and our 100th episode is coming out soon as well. So we're trying to figure out something special for that. So that should be fun. Cool. Um, and uh, do we know who our next uh, person is for the show? Um, I think that we are going to do D Wallace. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Um, who is such a lovable presence also mm-hmm. in the horror community. So I'm really excited to talk about her. It's exciting. So yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this, catch up on some D Wallace movies and come back for our next episode. Yeah. We'll talk about D. And, uh, when we, uh, have our social medias for this, we will let you guys know. Plug those as well. <laughs> we will plug. Uh, all right. Killer bees over and out. Buzz. Uh, buzz. <laughs>